Welcome to Giant Steps, where we take apart the processes of creativity and running and try to understand the relationship through interviews. I'm your host, Sonder Urians. Our guest today is novelist and musician Julian Tepper. You're talking to Julian Tepper, <laughs> New York City, born and raised. 41 years old, author, musician, father, lover, friend, and a runner. I guess I should point out, and a runner, yeah. When did you start running? Did you, were you like always a runner or did you start late? Um... I felt super late to the game, almost. I'm still sort of shocked that it happened because I, I was just about five years ago, probably. And you'd think by, you know, 35, 36, you, you sort of have a, a sense of, all your life's obsessions, anyway. <laughs> I mean, I've ran on and off. You know, I do, I get up to like two yeah. miles, two and a half miles or whatever, and then I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. every single time I went out. I was like, oh, God, I got it. And then about five years ago, or maybe a little longer, maybe like six years ago, I started to enjoy it more, and I started to really feel actually like the mental effects of it. Um, what was it for you that, like, what started it for you? I, I mean, I definitely relate to how much I disliked it and never imagined that I could put, like, anything about running. Yeah, I, I guess maybe you pass that mile threshold in a way. For whatever reason, whether it was something in my life, I was driven to run more than two miles. Let's say right. run five miles. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so then, it's like... a big jump. It is a big jump. And, and it's funny, because when you... Two two miles or less. You can't imagine you'll ever run five miles. It's yeah. not even on the. It's not even yeah, on no. the radar, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, the health benefits became apparent, and also uh, I think one thing that really appeals to me about it is sort of the schedule freedom of it. It's like you just can just jump out your door, yeah, yeah. get it going, and come back to whatever it is you have to do. And it's amazing to yeah. have something that you can just be like, I got a half hour. I'm going out. Absolutely. Um, I ran right before, you know, we jumped on here because I was like, I, exactly, I have a half an hour. Gotta get it seemed, the mood. I'm getting in the mood. <laughs> it seemed appropriate and I, like, I knew it could only be good for us. When I first met Julian, he was the bass player in a band called The Natural History, who put out two records and then broke up in 2005. Afterwards, one of their songs, Don't You Ever, was covered by the band Spoon on their album, Ga 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 Ga, and it was a huge hit. Since then, Julian has reinvented himself as a novelist and in March 2020 published his third book titled Between the Records. Most recently, Julian has returned to songwriting and released a solo record entitled The Disassociation. Julian and I were in bands around the same time. He talks a lot about those times in his newest novel. I was eager to talk about some of those years and hear about how he went from there to writing novels and then to running a marathon. I feel like running and writing must make such a great combination. Like there must be a complementary flow state between the two. We talk a bit about that. We also talk a bit about touring in the 2000s. We talk about honesty in art and the consequences of that honesty. We talk about how hard we often make things for ourselves. We also talk about old shoes and headbands. <laughs> um, how much are you running these days? I'm running a a bit, like uh, yesterday, 
uh, ran 12 miles, nice. which was a, which was a lot for this time. But I would say there's a there are many like six to 10 yeah. mile days. That's kind of your your sweet yeah. spot is the six. I would say yeah because I I'm I'm in Long Island City and I'll run to the Williamsburg Bridge and and around like yeah. kind of maybe past Marlowe oh, and then run. come back Missed. around. That's my that's my loop. And it, it's about six miles. We ran into each other once. On exactly. The, on the, what, what bridge is that? The Pulaski Bridge. bridge. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Sounder. How are you doing? It's funny because uh, I was in L.A. for the first three months of COVID because I was, I was out there for Between the Records. Launch was going to be at, at Book Soup in L.A. Yeah. Um, did not happen. Right. But, um, but we stayed at, uh, in North Hollywood at my dad's. Uh, which is its own story, but to our point, I started jogging in the valley every day. I, I jogged every block in the valley. Like, nice. Like, all of Magnolia and like all of like Van Nuys. Like right, jogging okay. in the valley, it's, it's only slightly more interesting than walking in the valley, I yeah. gotta say. <laughs> right. And I was like, God, I'm just running in New York yeah, and I'm they're... gonna do it because uh, I got to get out of the house. You know, we were locked down, so was, this was my yeah. only outdoor time, non-lockdown uh, time. What about nerdy things? Gear, shoes. What kind of shoes are you wearing? I've Any never been. Live I've been so bad with my gear. Um, I did get into wearing a headband. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Super important. <laughs> the headband. Otherwise, you know, you know, it's funny to the. I'm starting to think that I must just have a, a runner's body, which is because I wear the worst shoes, and yet everything still works. You know, it's like my knees don't hurt, my hips don't hurt. You have like 1984 Nikes? It's pretty much like that. From day one, runners have taken their sport rather seriously. Hopefully someone will just come in at some point and just like rescue me from whatever this issue is, but so far, I've, I have not gotten, I don't know, maybe it's a commitment issue. I mean, I'll commit by like, I'll run the marathon, I'll sign up for the marathon, but will you go to the store and get the shoes? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Wait, have you been running in the same shoes for like years? They, uh, just like, let's say like, they're just... Did you not uh, get a new I run in like tennis shoes. I run in, okay. no, I have, I've gone like maybe like, I've gone some new pairs, but they're just... <laughs> over the five years. Over the five years, but they're... <laughs> They're, they're tennis shoes. Do you listen to music? I do, and, and in fact, I feel like it's been really good for my music listening, mm. just generally because I don't find that I'm able to carve out time yeah. to listen to music in the way that I would like to listen to music. Do you write? So, when, do you listen to music when you write? No, I don't. I actually use a white noise maker oh, wow. at this point. <laughs> but you, I, you know what? I, I definitely... Um, I definitely work out my writing problems while I'm running, no right. question. It, yeah, and it's yeah. interesting because to me, it's like when people generally think of like the torture of being a writer, they think of like being alone all the time, the blank page, this right. kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like the torture for me is like when I'm done writing and I go out into my life and I'm like, oh, that part is so fucked up. Right. And it's going to need, like, a month to fix, at so it's least. The, it's the, like, rumination on your Exactly. Process, on your... Yeah. Program. Okay. Yeah. Just, like, seeing what's, what 
needs to be attended to. And is it a and real? Is that a real thing, or is that like a, a mind-generated kind of phob, like like anxiety? I think it's. I think it's pretty accurate. I find running to be sort of like the very. It's very like a constructive place for me to think about these things instead of like I'm not pacing. I'm not yeah. like you know like walking down the street in New York can somehow not necessarily well that's fine too but this is like even more effective the physical aspect kind of yeah. makes me feel saner while I'm thinking about things that generally make me feel insane so I just read your book Between the Records which I really enjoyed thanks Andrew. and I, I really like relate to it in a lot of ways you know like to the band stuff obviously i think we we're both mm -hmm. in the same <laughs> boat we're van <laughs> we're van <laughs> so to speak um i'm curious um it's 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 very personal in in about your you know it's an it's a fiction but it's an autobiography in a way um uh, about you your relationship with your brother and your dad mostly and and um how did how did writing that book affect your relationship with them? Had you already kind of made peace with them in a way, or have you not made peace with them in a way, or have you reconciled any of those, those issues think, through the writing? Yeah, I th we definitely, I think everyone's, my relationship to my brother, who those who are listening, uh, I was in a band with, and our father's a musician who, um, my relationships were good with them, but it was uh, it was difficult for them to read the book, for sure. Yeah, uh, I think they both sort of put it as uh, it was a, it was a bad month. <laughs> wow. They you know they they both read it quickly, and the rest of the month was sort of very difficult. But but it allowed us to uh, to get to a very good place. I think so. Amazing. Definitely with my father, and I think I think with my brother too. It was. Uh, sort of uh, just pushed our relationship further and, and yeah. allowed it to get to an even better place. But, but I definitely, yeah, I think I asked a lot of them to accept this book, but they didn't make me ask them either. They just sort of accepted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really the crisis of having a writer in the family. Yeah. God, I, mean, you know, I was thinking about it a lot as I was reading your book. Like, that must be such a... A difficult part of writing is when you're actually sitting there and writing this stuff and thinking how this is going to affect the people you're writing about. And, and I, I, it, it was some a lot of sleepless nights. Yeah. But I think as I got closer to the book being written, I felt more comfortable, and I felt that I had at least deluded myself into thinking it was okay, right. <laughs> or really just thought like you know, <laughs> <laughs> this is just. Each individual life is sort of small in its mm -hmm. own, in the sense of that if you can use your story in, in your life to to make a piece of art that could potentially be of use to a lot of people, yeah. or more than just those people, then yeah. that's th then it would have been worth it, you know. Like you need to sir, you need to make art here. You need to make the do the best thing for the book. Yeah. But at the same time, there's so many. I mean, so loaded what you're doing. So yeah. how do you how do you cut through all that and like stay focused? I think it's it's just something that is always being worked on. You know, I would like to yeah. say that I've gotten better at that. 
that the process that my that like my larger process has been, you know, looking at like all the years that I've been able to be more comfortable representing my truth about difficult things relating to myself and, and the people I care about. Yeah. But I, if I'm <laughs> being I don't know if honest is the word, but it may be accurate. <laughs> right. I would think that like each day almost you go in and and there's varying degrees to which I'm struggling with exactly what you're talking yeah. about. And and that maybe maybe the final product is like the accumulation of all the days I was able to be most honest right. with sure. myself about about what it is I'm trying to say. I, I do think that with fiction, something I've definitely, because I'm writing novels, at some point in the process, I'm taking more liberties with the truth. And that sort of plays into this topic in a, in a funny way, because I don't want to... I want to like make sure the sentences in the story is alive and that it's interesting. Mm. Because sometimes you can just write, you can be incredibly honest and, and, and say exactly how it happened and it can be terrible, you know? Right. It's not alive, it's boring and, and it's just bad writing and you're like, this has to be, this has to be discarded. Right. But, and so sometimes playing with, with fact can open up some of those channels to make something yeah. come yeah. alive and, and get more personal. I don't know. Yeah, but then you got to deal with, oh God, now they're going to know that I'm lying about this. Well, <laughs> it's very, up some shit it's so it. funny though, because my, my brother has not reread, his, he did not read the final draft, which yeah. is, which is fine. It's, but my dad, he did. And, and he read it again. The book came out March 10th and I was locked down in his house by like March 12th. Yeah. And so he like read it. Oh, and then he read it right in front of me. Together. He was like sitting there reading it right in front. I mean, I don't live with him. I didn't expect to live with Man. you know my dad this way, and and yet I had to sit through and watch him read it. And uh, he took it like a champ. I'm pretty grateful. He just. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know. amazing. That's a great COVID story. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, Jesus. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to, I mean, I love so much the, the kind of portrayal of all the 2000s music scene stuff. I mean, it's it, again, it's like the South, I, I texted you when I read the South <laughs> Southwest section because I was just laughing to myself. Like, you arrive at like six in the morning or whatever after driving all night, and then like you got a show at <laughs> at six in the morning. I remember it just being awful. <laughs> it really like it's funny. I'm never around that many authors. Yeah. Like, maybe you go to a, a party for a a journal, right? A book release, and you avoid them. That, you know, when you play music and and you go to a festival like that. You're just like, oh my god! There's so many people doing exactly what I'm doing, and it can be really—it's a hard feeling to cope with. <laughs> I mean, definitely the numbers—the numbers just keep going up. They're more, and and that's that's what I'm sort of curious actually about COVID now, because sadly, obviously, there's there's no live music scene at this moment, and the way that it's you know as it rebuilds itself there's just going to be fewer bands ready to go. Yeah. You know, unless like you are super pro, your, your thing is working, there's going to be a period, maybe a year, where like 
new bands are going to have to form, old bands are going to have to get back together, practice, like get ready to, to do yeah. that again and do it at, a, at that level. So like the numbers are going to be less and that will be probably more reminiscent of like what I would think like the 70s, definitely the 60s. It's like yeah. there's just such an influx in, in all the arts and every medium. There's just yeah. so many more of. Yeah. So tell me about the people that I meet, the record you talk about in the book. In the book, I fictionalized, and I was very excited about this, I fictionalized the making of the second natural history record, and that record got reissued with the book. So I really, I love this idea. I was like, you know, that you could read about a band writing this record, but the record actually exists, and you can listen to the record. Did that record actually ever come out back then? We, you know, after... You, don't you ever the the original spoon don't you ever is on that record and and we weren't going to talk about not putting things out we weren't going to put that record out and then after spoon covered don't you ever we self-released okay. the record back in 2007 and so it had been like sitting in a drawer for two years yeah and uh like god that fucking record's good and we just we had it in the drawer and, and then we self-released it but then um, but then so it, it came out this was the first time it had a physical a physical release and you just released a, a new record under just uh, your name Julian Tepper um, the disassociation is the name of the record right and I want to uh, give you props for fitting that word into a song <laughs> and, spell, and spelling it out, no less, you know? <laughs> Almost spelling it out. <laughs> <laughs> Almost spelling it out, that's right. <laughs> um, it's been such a nice response so far. Yeah. It's just been so nice to play. They're great songs. They're Thanks, awesome. dude. I appreciate great. it. You know, I still do the same stupid shit, which is like, you know, <laughs> like, get out of your own way. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, yeah. do do the thing. Put it yeah. out there. Our the world will decide. enemy. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's literally my daily struggle like waking up and being like oh god, <laughs> oh god. I, gotta, I gotta make shit today I gotta, I gotta like stand by the shit I make today right and it's exhausting man it's like it's like dealing with yourself is so exhausting it's crazy I mean, absolutely but yeah it's been I think it's to go back to just what we were talking about killing, killing the art not yeah. letting it come out into the world. This is sort of the full, it, it was like the final piece of the process of making the book. Right. I almost kept myself from like putting that final peg in the full circle, which was that like, I also made this record. It, for me, it was writing those songs and, and really like writing so many songs before I even got to these 10 songs, as yeah. you know, as how it goes. I mean, it was like, there's 200 shitty songs behind right. these before these 10 songs, you know, I really, yeah. and I had to relearn how to play all my instruments and all, you know, it, it was like a couple of years before I got to these songs, but, you know, it was really just recognizing like, this is, this is who I am. This is, this is yeah. a part of me and I, I don't need to deny this part of me. It's, it's like uh, making music, writing songs, it's, it's what I actually understand best. It's like yeah. the thing in my brain that I can hold in its entirety. It's like there's a logic to it, but I, for 15 years, I well, denied it, you know? And then yeah, it, it's, it's 
so hard on you mentally and oh, yeah. physically too, the touring of and stuff. Course. And there's a sense, I think both of us have this, like now we're, we've done some other things and it's right. like, we're really able to like, be like, look, this is, I can come back to this without the pressure of making it my life goal of like, and everybody's got to like it or I'm going to fail. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really important. I mean, that was like, that's, uh, <laughs> it's, when I say I, I, I didn't pick up an instrument and that the joy had gone out of it, it's like every time I, at that, at that very point at the end of the life of the band, every time I picked up an instrument, I felt like I had to do what you just described, you right. know? Yeah. And it was said that like, there was just no pleasure in it at that point. So yeah. it was yeah, kind yeah. of, uh, I think the tie to the, tie to being here this moment for me was just like, just find, finding the love again, you know? And, yeah. and really kind of being, in awe of the love, you know, yeah. being like, wow, yeah. I actually fucking love yeah. doing this, you know? It's so cool. It's such a great yeah. place to, to arrive, I think. Let's listen to a track from your new record. This one's called The Disassociation. Here's a song that you've heard before. Since you heard it, remember you heard it, yeah. It's the same song as running and writing all have a similar kind of first step you have to take to get into it. 
you know, to get through that initial fear, um, at least for me. Right. Um, you know, there's a million excuses that come up that can keep you out of it. Um, how do you make that first step? The first, I will say this, I write first thing in the morning so I can not have that experience as yeah. much as humanly possible because of course I still have it daily, yeah. but it's really like, I'm gonna go to the bathroom, I'm gonna right. make coffee, I'm gonna drink some of that coffee, <laughs> and then I'm gonna start. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, that, that part is, it's like too much grief. I really do enjoy the process of writing so much that once I'm there, I'm good. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, once I'm like in the door and, it, and it's almost like give yourself that relief of just starting. But if I go, if I let the day get away from me in that way, I'll, I'll do too much damage to myself on this basis of what we're talking yeah. about. Like I'll, be, I'll beat myself up too much. So it's like get it done up at the beginning of the day so yeah. I can feel feel a little lighter yeah totally totally um you mentioned a little a bit about dark places and depression and um i'm curious if if did your running kind of start in or like because for me that's one of the biggest benefits of running is is i mean i find it first of all like the act of doing it. i i can i'm at a place now and i think it's a fitness thing like once you get to a certain level where you can actually feel things happening in your brain, like, like I, I describe it as like things falling into place in a, yeah. in a weird way, like all the chaos falling into place, and and it, it not only like during running and after running do I feel good, but I find it has like a lasting effect. I was actually, I you know, like I, I had a real bad period of depression, and mm -hmm. <clears throat> I was on all sorts of medications and stuff, and last for last last six years of my life since I started running regularly um i've been able to go off all those and you know i deal with it all the time but it's yeah. it's not what it used to be um and uh, you know it might be other things too but running is one of the the major things i'm interested in your experience with that yeah i i think it's it, it's it's maybe just like it this this thing that you know that is so powerful that you have at your disposal and that in itself is such a such a, a sort of a eases the passage, you know? It's mm. like, to know that, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'll say this, running, I deal, I deal with, yeah, depression, sadness, crisis, a lot of the times just by running, you know? Yeah. I could probably stand to go to more therapy, <laughs> but, but I just, I'm like, I'm gonna run 12 yeah. miles instead. Sometimes yeah. I get concerned, I'm like, shit, I'm running too much. I must be fucking, I must be falling apart, you know? But it's yeah. like, but that's that's not a bad way. It's better than, you know, drinking too much, yeah. staying staying out for a month. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it is this, um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to have this thing that can just can help me get through yeah. the, that that difficulty. That's that happens to also be good for my body, you know. Right. right, right so right. I definitely relate to that. It's yeah, and, and and I would say probably. I mean, I wonder how many runners of this, you know, the people who who run marathons don't deal with some sort of depression. I wish. I had running when I was in a band. Wish 
that like when I got to a venue and sound checked and had six hours before going on stage, I knew that there was this thing that I enjoyed doing. Yeah. Do you have any other like habits or like diet things or anything that you like that is like helpful for you to running and, and writing? I mean, like it's funny. I actually remember talking to you about this. I don't eat. I only drink coffee until I'm done working. Lunch is my first meal. And then you run in the evening? And then I'll run right after. Yeah, a little digestion. <laughs> but it's, uh, I, I like running after work. It's just like a good, good for decompressing and like getting yeah. into that next part of the day. Yeah. yeah. But I, I can't say, you know, I eat well, but I don't necessarily. You're not like uh, obsessive about like. No. No. I'll eat everything. I eat a lot of bread. That's the nice thing about running, too, is you really don't have to give a shit about it. I mean, oh you do God. at a certain point, right, if you want to compete or whatever. But, I mean, you can eat as much as you want. Like, I you eat really whatever. <laughs> I know. Do you have any advice for, I mean, anybody who wants to start running or, you know, or creative people who want to start running? Is there any, like... I mean, if someone really wants it, it's sort of almost like what we've been we're touching on earlier it's just like this early phase of you know the one mile two miles that yeah. seems so difficult it's like anything you, you keep digging in you'll yeah. get to that you'll get to those juicy bits you'll get yeah. you'll get it going I mean I think that's like I, I, to compare it to you know when I started writing novels I had not I had not written in the way that let's say we had made music, you know, I had not done it every single day for so many hours, but, right. but in doing that with music, I, you know, you just have, you get a sense of the progression. You're like, I mean, how far you come, how much yeah. you learn, where your, where your craft goes. And you know, it, it just having that knowledge of the fact that if you stick with it and take it seriously, yeah, you'll, you'll right. get, you'll get there. It's, it's getting to the place of fitness where you can do that without, feeling super miserable like that's where the that's where the key lies for me it's like once I was able to like do it and like be able to concentrate on something else than my like heaving lungs and like racing heart then (laughs) then the the whole world opened up for me so well it's funny that Murakami book you know when he's talking about the super marathons and that's the thing that I remember most about that book it's like how many miles I I I remember how many miles miles in something like that yeah and you're just like how how? But then, I mean, I've never run a super marathon, but I, I can understand now. I can yeah. see how. It's just yeah, sort of, you can just... Do you have any, any secret, <laughs> any secret um, craving to do that one day? I kind of do, because cause you know how it's just like, you get that feeling like, you can just kind of go. Yeah. It does not stop. I guess I, get, I relate to that feeling. I, coming back down into Manhattan, like through Harlem yeah. and then and then Upper East Side and through the park, I was like, I felt like I was fucking high. I was oh, yeah? like, honestly, like, so psyched. So amazing. And I was just like, I was loving it. And and then like maybe like the last half mile was was a little rough, but I was like sprinting down the path. I don't know, something so came over me. How, how different everybody's experiences can be of it too. It's, for me, it was like, it's this little like, this little epic journey. Like, so many feelings and things happen within this, you know, few hours of your life. I had, because 
I was leaving, I was moving out of New York three days after I ran the marathon. Wow, so I ran so cool. on November 3rd and then I flew to LA on November 6th. And I had for the final mile of that marathon, I, I was crying. I was like, staring uh-huh. up at the sky. And I was like, <laughs> I had all these memories flooding back. You know, and I was in a kind of a state of like, disassociation yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like I was like really emotional it was crazy and I mean it was a really incredible experience it was awesome I mean to, to that point and uh, like that is actually I'm, I'm glad you said that because something that's so key to I think of how my running psychological well-being my and my writing all kind of come together is that I, I do think that running undoes what we naturally suppress emotionally, just like opens up these like, these channels and need to let those things come to surface. And um, it's an amazing thing for me personally, I just find to like behold those things because so much comes up Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) so much waste, no, not waste, but so much, yeah, everything that I like, put into, you know, just suppressing emotions, memory, it all just comes up in yeah. in long runs in particular. I find like if I run over 10 miles, especially then, it's like yeah. something happens. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, it happens often. It's very, it's amazing, right? Julian, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Good luck with your new record. Good luck with your new book and your running. Sandra, thanks so much. It was a great time and uh, really look forward to seeing where the podcast goes from here. See you soon. See ya. Giant Steps is hosted by Sandra Urians. Editing and sound design by Matt Hannum. Music is composed and performed by Sandra Urians. Mixing and additional sound design by Brent Kaiser at Unbridled Sound. Julian Tepper's newest novel, Between the Records, is available now at bookshop.org or wherever books are sold. You can order a signed special edition LP of the natural histories, The People That I Meet, at rarebirdlit.com. You can stream Julian's new album, Disassociation, wherever you get your music. Giant Steps is independently produced in Los Angeles, California. For more episodes or to get in touch, you can visit our website at giantstepspodcast.com.